Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our latest podcast. This will be our last preseason show before the 2020 season begins that is team-focused. Uh, after this, we are going to have two special alumni podcasts, and then we'll have a regular This Week in Race Baseball program for the 10 weeks following. Now, we have three really interesting guests on our podcast today, but there's still a lot that we don't know about this race team going into the season. As we record this, there are several players whose status we're unclear about regarding the start of 2020, and that's due to the MLB protocols where teams are not to... Uh, offer information regarding player absences unless the player volunteers or is willing to offer up that information. That said, we spoke last week with pitching coach Kyle Snyder about his group, and this week we're going to chat with hitting coach Chad Matola about the position players and his belief in their potential. Outfielder Josh Lowe may not be an immediate answer in terms of the offense for the Rays, but the former first-round pick in 2016 could certainly have a future impact on the Rays for sure, and we're going to chat about him being part of the 60-player pool. We're also going to chat with a former Rays outfielder who just retired in Brandon Geyer and announced his new venture called Fully Equipped Athlete. We start, though, with Chad Matola, and as we ask Kyle Snyder, I'm curious with Chad uh, what this has been like for him and his family and the human aspect in all of this. I mean, that's what we have to keep in mind from the whole baseball side. All these guys have families at home or with them or trying to kind of in between where I'm at between Orlando and uh, St. Pete. So balancing that and staying focused on baseball while we're at the field of a couple hours has been the interesting part. Everybody has a little bit of a different perspective for sure without any real answers. We've kind of accepted that we're just living day to day, you know, hour to hour, and we're no different than anybody. Is baseball almost a good escape? I mean, as much as it is your your passion and your job, is it kind of a nice escape too for for even you? For sure, uh, that's one of the things that we were all looking forward to and talking to the players is seeing some people again, having human contact. It's been a little different in the sense that checking in each day with your temperatures and doing the uh, questions answers, the the daily testing or every other day testing. Once we get past all that, uh, there's some normalcy, but uh, the masks, I guess I've been accustomed to when I'm outside, the fogging of the glasses I haven't figured out yet. 
but these are all the things that I'm be happy to be doing compared to the first three months of literally just going a little stir crazy. Give us a feel for what you're able to do with hitters that you normally would have done and what you're not able to do and how you have tried to adapt. Uh, thanks to Q, this has been going a lot better than I anticipated. On paper, I had a lot of questions. Uh, we were creative enough to build two more cages in the inside the trap, so they're by the bullpen. So now we have four in using the visitor's cage. So we've been time-slotting guys, uh, basically having appointments throughout the morning and the afternoon, which in past, it's always been, hey, let's see how the game goes, and we'll kind of judge our work from there. We always have to be 24 to 48 hours advance in preparation. But it's been going pretty smooth with all the opportunity and the new cages being built and outdoor field we're using. And everybody's getting enough work for sure. The only problem is seeing our pitching every day is not the best confidence booster. I want to I want to touch on that too. But I'm curious: Are there drills that you are able or not able to do, or adaptations you've had to make with certain hitters? And how has that gone? Everything's been fine on that sense. We've had enough time to get in. What we are missing is kind of the cage camaraderie because as guys are hitting guys are sitting there watching we share ideas now it's just me and the hitter then me and the hitter then me and the hitter and you know there's some real good ribbing going on keeps it loose we're missing that but also the ideas that get shared as guys experiment with different things and give feedback from me they also get feedback from players and and the players are usually the best gauge of all that and that's the one part that's been a little bit awkward but without having games and we haven't really needed to watch video, the whole video room between the Astros and the COVID, is, it's been interesting. That'll be a new adjustment. But these are all things that we've done a pretty good job of anticipating. Do you uh, have more guys have conversation now around the cage than they normally would? Because at least when you've got three or four hitters or three hitters in a group, it's more than one hitter in a, in a batting cage on the side. Yeah, that's the part we're missing for sure. But what's happening is a lot more guys are, are coming up with questions as they're sitting isolated at home. So mm -hmm. I'm getting a lot more text than usual at this time of the year, a lot more thoughts than usual at this time of the year. because Everybody's going home so much earlier in the day and, you know, trying to social distance and spend a lot more time at the house. There's been a lot more creative thinking. There's been a little more uh being prepared going into the next day. So I think at the back end of this, we're going to have a lot of things that we've learned, uh, more efficient ways to practice. This is not the ideal way to go and figure out these things, but I think that's going to be the one benefit of this. You mentioned the, the challenge of facing your own pitchers and what a, obviously a, a good and talented staff it is all the way through. You know, Hunter Renfro and some other hitters have said that it may be a benefit because this is the best they're going to face. And what better way to prepare for a season than face the best? Everything is going to be lesser than what they see in practice. In theory, yeah, that's what I'm preaching every day. But it's one of those things. Eventually, you want to have a little success, build the confidence. But if, if you're mentally strong enough to understand that this is going to prepare you for everything else within the season, it, it's much nicer to play defense behind these guys, for sure. Um, but it's one of those things that I have to remind them every day that this is the best you're going to see. So whatever we get out of this, we will clean up on the backside. But it, for sure, you're not going to run into another staff, one through 15 or whatever we have nowadays that, that anywhere else. How have you or what have you thought of the work of your group as a whole to this point and your overall take on the offense? I know things could change a lot 
during the course of the season in part because of COVID. Yeah, we didn't know what to anticipate. We were talking about how to schedule a day, like I said, the different entry points of keeping guys separated. We had so many more questions and answers, but the guys had been really special about adapting, obeying the rules, kind of social distancing, having masks on all the time, taking care of the little things that we thought we were going to have to police. They've been really mature about that. So now we just go in and hit on the baseball side. And the experience of that everybody gained from last year, it really showed in spring training. And it continues to make everything in life a little easier because these guys are, have big expectations. So we don't have to explain the little things anymore or why we're doing these things or why we want to play and basically follow all these guidelines to get back on the field. So that's what's been refreshing how mature and just abiding they've been of all these small things that are, that are pretty difficult in the baseball environment. So from a baseball standpoint, what do you think of the offensive group as a whole? What are the strengths? Where do you think this is going to be a good group in this 60 game sprint? Uh, the experience they gained, the length of the lineup that is now that we're presenting with the different uh, platoon advantages and then guys coming in uh, from Yoshi from outside, from Martinez outside. It, it's going to be refreshing that the Meadows, the B-Lows, the All-Stars we have last year don't have to come in and carry everybody. KK's made some nice adjustments at the plate that are starting to show against our pitching. Uh, he's getting consistent with them. That That's the refreshing part. So it's one through nine now and one through nine with experience. You know, part of us with a small, smaller payroll, we're always talented, but we usually lack some experience. With everybody returning with Willie, the second half that he had with the playoff run that he had, that's what we're so excited about. We, we are young and we have some experience, which is a pretty good blend because they're pretty hungry. It is. And I want to touch on some of the adjustments hitters have made, including KK. But first, let's touch on some of the new guys. Yoshi, how much do you think the time off or time in Japan helped him? And where do you see him as better than when you saw him in February and March? I just think the life experience made him better. We obviously know he's a good player. He was such a, a good player in Japan that that is going to translate the way he swings the bat. But the pressure that he kind of puts on himself coming from Japan and always wanted to play over here, you could tell him kind of pressing and wanted to just follow what everybody else doing. And us as the Rays, we encourage, you know, you to be your, the individual you are and coming over the new culture, the way that Asian culture is, they wouldn't want to be so, uh, they would just want to respect us so much. And, and Cashy and I, we're the opposite. We want you to kind of be the person you are and let your true color shine. So I think him going home, kind of resetting, being able to process. I mean, there's nothing like experience. You can anticipate all these things, but he got to live it, go home, reset. And you can just tell the way he's carrying himself, the way he's kind of walking us through his drill work. He has a definite plan now that he's comfortable to express. Obviously not moving from a different country, but Hunter Renfro came from a different league. How do you think the, the time off helped him and, and what has impressed you most about Hunter? Well, the first half he had, everybody kind of lost by the end of his numbers. I think he still had 33 homers or something. But the first half he had, he was on fire. Then he dealt with a couple injuries. So it wasn't like there was anything wrong other than him getting healthy. So we're getting to see a Hunter Redford that's healthy, not only offensively, but he's really uh, impressed us defensively 
with a couple of his KK spin throws on the run. And the, it's going to be a pretty special outfield with Margot out there now. Uh, it, it's very exciting to watch. Certainly. And you've got a few guys, too, who've made changes with their swings. You brought up KK. Mike Zanino has made some significant changes. I think D-Rob has, too. How have each of those guys changed, and how do you think the changes will help each of them? Uh, Zanino, start with him. He's got a lot more, uh, I guess, glute-based is the new phrase in baseball, but it, it makes sense the way it's going to stabilize his lower half in a much better way. Um, he's been through, through so much kind of being uh, rushed is probably the wrong word for the way Seattle handled it, but he, he hasn't had any consistency with his stances, whether it's upright, whether it's open, whether it's down, whether it's closed, whether it's leg kick. It, these are all things that we finally are in a good place of being in this one spot with the lower half and the upper half's kind of following. I can get a really technical with it, but we don't have time for that, but it, it's really going well for him. And then uh, Robbie, yes, is going with a, a very different setup and a little more uh, getting off his backside. It, it, these are all things that are really new to hitting world in the last year or two. Both of them have come in two different styles, but they are both liking it. So that's what we're going with right now. And KK? Uh, KK did the same thing as with the old uh, lower half. The sequence of his swing he's always been athletic he's always been upright we're trying to fire the backside a little more trying to lower the leg kick so all three guys have shown that they've been able to hold it the first three weeks of the first spring training and now the first week of summer camp as i guess the new label is but once again once the competition starts we'll have to see where it goes from there it, it, these are all great intentions and Hopefully they all stick, but everybody knows throughout the year you're tinkering nonstop. You're right. And you've also got three guys who missed a significant portion of last year who could be, if they play the full 60 or most of the 60, really valuable to you. Yandy Diaz, Brandon Lau, and I think Joey Wendell, too, based on the year he had in 2018. What can you say about those three? Those are three exciting guys for sure. I mean, look what Yandy did. Coming off the, I don't know, month or so off the DL and just hitting those two balls in Oakland, he was just born to hit. Uh, he's getting more comfortable just with life experience as well. A Cuban guy, despite his size, a really shy guy, uh, feeling more comfortable each day, expressing himself. Uh, Wendell, I believe, is much closer to the 300 hitter he was two years ago. Hit Getting hit in the wrist by the left-handed pitcher last year really set him back. He's such a grinder. He probably shouldn't have played, but we could not keep him off the field. That's that's his mentality, and it's tough to argue with him, but he wasn't healthy all year. So we're really looking forward to those guys and how we're going to play them. It's one of those problems that it's good to have. Uh, there's going to be guys upset that aren't going to be playing every day, and that's a great problem to have. And obviously it gives you a lot of depth in case there's injury or issues with the virus, et cetera, and so on. I'm kind of curious about one situation, if you could take us inside a little bit and into what you thought. Hitters meetings, just like pitchers meetings, they're going to be very, very different. Do you do them in groups of four? Do you do them in the stands with guys separated? Have you given thought to what that's going to look like or how different it may be now than, let's say, in years past? Uh, for sure. We're run a couple dry runs with the couple guys, with Bobby 
and Jeremy Sowers of how to get the information to them. I think this is one of the main uh, points that we're going to come out of the backside of this in a much better way. Get them stuff to their hotel rooms, get them stuff to their places at home after the game so they can do this more on their time. All the other days we did it the day of the series and uh, then went over four pitchers and they had to keep that information for three days. And by the time the third day comes, you've been clouded with too much information. So I think electronically, digitally, this is going to go much better. How we're going to do it, we have a few ideas. I'm sure there's going to be some hiccups along the way. But this is one thing I'm actually looking forward to. To By the end of the year, we are definitely going to improve how to get the information to in these guys and have it way more accessible. And it sounds like you're pretty excited about just the overall lineup ability. And that's without some of the talented youngsters that are in the 60-player pool that you may not see yet this year. But I think we know how deep the group potentially can be. Uh, for sure. I haven't seen Wander much. Uh, Josh Lowe, I knew when I was coordinating. So really looking forward to seeing him. But it, for sure, it's both pitching and hitting how deep we are. It's great to have that depth all the time, but especially at a crazy time like this. Chad, good luck. We appreciate some time on our latest podcast, and thanks for being with us. Sounds good, Neil. See you soon. That's race hitting coach Chad Matola. Now, he mentioned Josh Lowe, who's part of the 60-player pool and down in Port Charlotte. And I asked Josh about his injury that sent him back in the beginning of the year. But first, how his family has been during the pandemic. Uh, yeah, everyone's been healthy. Um, my parents have been healthy. My, bat, my dad's been doing a lot of working from home. Um, my mom's been staying around the house with the family as well. Um, my brother and I obviously worked out there for a while while we were at home and um, we're both excited to be back and uh, playing. And like you said, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be um, back here in Port Charlotte healthy on the field again. So I couldn't be happier with where I'm at right now. How much time did you spend uh, back home with your family and how much time have you spent down and, and is it all been in Florida or was there any time in Georgia? Yeah, no, it's uh, all been in Florida. So it's pretty much as soon as we um, got shut down at the end of camp, I went straight back to Claremont where I live um, there and I had a rehab program sent to me um, and I did it through um, my people there at the NTC, just a training center there in Orlando. And um, I actually knocked out my rehab work there and I got cleared around the end of May. Um, So I've been building up and everything, getting ready to go. And um, yeah, we've, we've just been doing all of our stuff there. For our Rays fans who don't know, let's back up. You were playing very well in the Arizona Fall League when you were injured. Describe the injury and then the rehab process um, that you went through. Yeah. um, I had a shoulder injury there. Um, I went under November, and uh, it was was a weird play what happened. I was in the outfield, and I was in left. A little blooper of the shortstop's head. Guy was going from first to third. Um, and I kind of got it and just made an awkward throw to third base to try and get out of my hands pretty quick. And I just felt a little tweak in my arm. And then kind of, I'd say a week, two weeks later, um, same type scenario. I was trying to throw a guy out at home. That's when I kind of felt the, the injury happen a little more. I decided to shut it down and then, um, went to Coco, the team doctor, got a team MRI and, uh, he saw that there was a tear in there. So I took that to, uh, Dr. Andrews. Um, in Pensacola and he ended up doing the surgery did a great job and uh, yeah everything was cleared up just a light little 
uh, debridement. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm all healed and ready to go now. How, how difficult was the process for you? More so the fact that you really were, were I thought, hitting your stride. You had a really good year in AA. You were nearly a, a 2020 guy uh, with, I think, 30-plus stolen bases during the course of the year. You were playing very well in the fall league, too, and it looks like you were right on the doorstep to, to play this year in Durham had there been a minor league right. season. Yeah. Um, well, the good thing about all of that is I feel like I pick up right now right where I left off um, after that last year's season and then going to the fall league and building on that. So that's a uh, positive note. I feel like I haven't really missed a beat. Thankful. Uh, that's the only silver lining coming out of COVID here is uh, I actually didn't have to miss any time at all. So that's a, a blessing in disguise. And what a crazy story that'd be to, you know, end up in the major league at some point this year, helping the team win after everything we've all been through. Um, so that's obviously a, a real possibility. Um, but like I said, I, I just thankful for this downtime to really recover and make sure that my body's a hundred percent. And like you said, coming off that season um, last year and everything building upon that and just continue to keep going in that same direction. So obviously getting cleared in May at this point, you would have been in Durham had there been a season. So when you got the call that you were on the 60 player pool, what did that mean to you? And what was that call like? Um, yeah, the call was, the call was kind of funny. Cash called my brother, actually, we were at home. And um, he, my brother walked in my room. It was probably around 9.30 or so at night. So I was just laying down, kind of tired from the day. And I look out of the corner of my eye and see he's holding his phone there. And he's like, hey, uh, it's Cash. And I was like, oh, he wants to talk to me. He's like, yeah, he wants to talk to you. And um, so he, he told me that I made the 60-man squad and I was going to Port Charlotte and do everything. And um, I was pretty pumped. I started packing some stuff in my bag right then. And uh, knew I was going to get the chance to get back on the field and um, potentially help the team win this year. So that's always exciting. And I want to touch on what it's been like in Port Charlotte, but are you and your brother, I know he's in St. Pete, you're working out in Port Charlotte. Are you rooming together, rooming apart? What are you guys doing right now when you're about 100 miles away from one another? No, he's, uh, he's got a place up in St. Pete that he's staying in. I'm staying in Port Charlotte. So we talk on the phone, but uh, we're not living together. How uh, Kevin Smith has been back and forth. The, the catchers have done that. Kevin Smith and Chris Herman, and he told us how beastly hot it is. I know you've dealt with it before, but how difficult has it been kind of work, working out in the heat in, in July? Yeah. Um, thankfully, I was getting kind of acclimated to it there in home um, in May, June. But uh, you can't beat the heat. There's uh, no way around that. You really got to hydrate and take care of your body. Um, when you're not on the field, but they've done a pretty good job of uh, kind of keeping us out of the heat when it comes to doing some things, you know, being able to work out um, beforehand and then just get our quality work in and then either go hip BP on the field or actually go into the air conditioning cages, which is pretty nice to kind of escape that heat. So um, they've done a really good job of controlling the workouts down here. And I think they're going to continue to do that to keep us in, in tip top shape as we can be. So the goal, obviously, as you mentioned, is to hopefully get to the big league sometime this year if, if you're called upon. How, how are the, what kind of or what have the workouts been like in terms of what they've had you do and how much of it has been individual work before, between that and, let's say, game experience or, or actually hitting yeah. off live pitching? Um, uh, the workouts right now are kind of a little slower just because the uh, – group in St. Pete is pulling some of the pitchers to go and throw up there. So we haven't 
really gotten into the whole live action yet, which I understand they need more guys to get the reps in and whatnot. Um, but for the most part, um, when it comes to defense and stuff, I've been able to work out with our outfield coordinator, Chris Prado. And uh, we've just been doing – there's different groups that come in at different times. So I've been just pretty much one-on-one with him getting my work in. And I feel like it's been a lot of quality work, um, getting myself as ready as I can for the year. And, um, and then obviously shagging when it comes to defense, taking that serious because that's the closest I'll get to a, a game-like rep right now. And um, I know they've got some stuff in, in place for uh, when – the arms kind of settle in more and they're throwing more bulk work and we can get our live BPs in and stuff. And you, how do you want to improve defensively and how are you hoping to grow on the offensive side? Um, I think defensively is just kind of stay consistent. Um, you know, playing the game hard is something I've always done and uh, maintaining that defensively is something I, I pride myself in. Um, and then when it comes to the offensive side, it's just like I, that's a, a big thing is just being consistent, um, not getting too high, not getting too low, and just staying within myself when it comes to uh, the game of baseball and just doing what I can do. I, I know that when uh, he was in double-A, I know Jamie Nelson had a really good impact on Nate. What kind of impact has he had on you? And what are some of the finer things you're learning about count control and and certain pitches in certain spots, that sort of thing on the offensive side. Yeah. Um, I hit it off with Nelly as well. Um, he and I were on a, a, the same page there for a good majority of the season. And um, I, you know, I couldn't thank him enough for the insight that he's, he shared upon me. Um, biggest thing we really talked about was just the mental approach when it comes to hitting, because, you know, if, if you dumb it down to a level, of see the ball, hit the ball, be early, be on time for something. You know, your swing and your mechanics, they're not really going to change that drastically from the time you get into pro ball because we're all athletes here. We're all able to adjust on the fly. We can all hit a baseball. It's just how mentally prepared are you to do damage to that ball and do what you want to do. And on the other side, obviously, this is a, a challenging stretch. You guys are all trying to do the same thing and, and really be a good teammate. What's, what's been the greatest challenge about the stay at home and have you become a good cook or are you uh, living on Uber Eats? What's, what's the deal on that end? Yeah, I mean, you can't complain about that. I, I get everybody wants to uh, stay safe and stay at home. I think that's a smart thing to do um, during this time. Um, the – the uh, staff here, Kate and uh, Ryan Harmon, they've done a really good job of getting meals prepped for us. Um, they get us two meals a day from a company here, breakfast and lunch, and then dinner's pretty much on our own. So either go pick up food or take something home from Publix to, to make. And, um, yeah, I, I can't complain about all that. It's, it's been pretty good. Has your cooking skills improved as you've gotten uh, through the system? Uh, I don't know about that. I'm I'm still – pretty good at using DoorDash. <laughs> well, hopefully you continue to improve on the field as well. Um, and we appreciate a few minutes and we wish you a lot of luck with your growth and development. And hopefully, you know, we see you at some point, if not, you know, here in, in this pennant run, uh, then uh, sometime next season. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's Josh Lowe, and glad to hear he's back at full health because he had a much improved season last year in AA and before an injury was playing very well in the Arizona Fall League, too. 
Josh Lowe is looking to reach the majors for the first time. Former A's outfielder Brandon Geyer has completed his big league career. He just retired. And I was curious as to why at 34, Brandon elected to begin the next phase of his life since he still looks like he's in playing shape. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Neil. Um, you know, I feel like I could too, but just there wasn't a ton of opportunity, but not, not just that. It was, um, you know, after coming off of Tommy John surgery last year, just playing a month, um, I told myself and talking with Lindsay and the family, I'm going to give it one more shot. So I went to minor league camp with the Giants this year to see how it goes. I, I got caught up to big league games and whatnot. Um, and I wanted to see uh, how I felt, how I perform and where, where it would go. And uh, when COVID hit at the end of spring, or not even at the end of spring, but when it hit, they uh, I came home. Then they called me a couple weeks later, said they were letting me go. Um, so after that, I was like, you know, if there is a season in a couple months down the road, whenever there is, um, for me to risk getting sick, being away from my family for so much, I almost like in my head, I'm telling myself, I I want to be in big league camp or a guaranteed job. Um, and although there was some interest this go around for spring training 2.0, um, uh, there wasn't, it wasn't really intriguing enough for me. And I was like, I've been putting a lot of effort into my next chapter. Um, and I felt like it was the right time. Um, you know, the injuries the past couple of years have really been tough being away from family for all these years. Um, I was just, I was, uh, I'm really at peace with it and really passionate and looking forward to the next chapter, but kind of bringing all those things together is what led me to, uh, you know, come, come be at peace with the decision. And yeah, that's how I got here. So had there not been a pandemic, is there a good chance you still would be at this or, or the family situation and the health were bigger factors in this? When I went to spring training with the giants, even though it was minor league camp, um, you know, talking to them and everything, what they were saying, there's still a chance to make the team. Um, they needed to see how I was coming back from the elbow surgery. Um, and my arm was feeling good. I was playing pretty good, albeit in uh, a lot of the minor league games, but I had some big league uh, at-bats there in spring. Um, so going there, you know, I basically told myself, if I'm not ma- if I don't make the big league team, I don't foresee myself going to, I think it was Sacramento, their triple-A. Mm-hmm. And being not just away from my family, but being almost as far away as possible in the country away from my family, because I didn't don't think they were going to come out. Um, so to me, spending the little time in AAA Charlotte last year away from them, it was just tough. So unless it was if I made the big leagues, I, I was pretty much in my head. I was set that I wasn't going to play. So um, I guess in a way, the pandemic made it an easier decision. But um, the way it was going, I don't know if I was going to make the big league team. Um, so like I said, it kind of made the decision a little easier and, uh, yeah, that's where we are. You, uh, and Lindsay have three kids, right? Riley, Cooper, and Camden. So how are all of yep. you doing in all of this? We're good. Some long days, uh, <laughs> actually last week spent, um, with this buddy of mine, six full days, eight to five, building a playground in the backyard, uh, just to get them to give them something to do because we kind of ran out of options in the house with all the toys are sick of everything. Um, so yeah, they're not going to school and my daughter Riley will be starting kindergarten in September if, if it, everything opens up. Um, but everyone's well and healthy. Um, you know, I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to be around the family a lot and that's what was making my decision easier. 
um, and not play baseball, but I didn't really envision being around them 24 <laughs> seven, uh, right away, but it's all great. We're healthy and, uh, yeah, that's all you can ask for. I want to get to your, your new venture. Um, but I also want to touch on some of the moments that you had in your major league career and your wife, Lindsay, who obviously sacrificed a lot too, as you went through your baseball career, has she considered going back to TV at all at this point in time? Now that, you know, you've got three young children or, or what's kind of next for her? Is she going to stay at home with the kids and be a great mom? Well, she is that for sure. Um, but no, it's hard to get her to watch sports. She's just watching uh, real housewives or something. So I don't think she'll be, <laughs> no, I always give her a hard problem with that uh, hard time. Um, no, honestly, we've talked about, it. I don't think she would get back. Um, you never know. It could happen, but I, I think she's, um happy and fulfilled what she's doing now um but who knows what the future holds um she's helping me a lot with this uh next chapter so we'll we'll see um but right now she's just killing it as a mom and you know lucky to have her by my side and she was by your side when you hit your first home run too kind of uh is that one of the best memories of your career sort of the fact that she was kind of there yeah yeah i know i still give her a hard time because you know, the whole time I'm coming up through the minors, everything since we started dating, uh, I always talked about, yeah, when you big leagues, you know, I'll fly out to see you and I'll be there. And then it ended up on my big league debut is right in our backyard. It's in Baltimore. Although she, she had a six o'clock show that night. Uh, still thought, Oh, she doesn't have to fly there. At least she can just drive, drive there. But the traffic in um, in Baltimore, D.C., you just never know. So she mm-hmm. got stuck in that, and she was in the parking lot, actually, when I hit that home run. Um, obviously, I didn't know that. When I crossed home plate, I just assumed she was there. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Um, but I found out after the game she wasn't. I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. Um, but she hey, she had to work, so what can you do? You you were part of uh you know six years you spent in the race organization. That certainly was a great memory, your first home run. And it came off Zach Britton, who obviously is still one of the better relievers now in the game. What are the other moments that stick out to you from your time in Tampa Bay? Oh, man, a lot of good ones. Um, for the most part, it's just the guys I got close with. My guys like Archer, Kiermaier, David DeJesus, Souza. Um, I could go on and on. Um, but you know, that's where I started the big leagues. Um, so, you know, from 2011, I made my debut all the way through the years until I got traded in 16, got some really good friendships, play with some great teammates. Um, so more so than like just moments, that's what stands out to me. Um, guys, I still talk to, um, you know, lifelong friends. Um, so for the most part, that is, um, yeah. You touched on the injuries that you suffered from, but I mean, you took a physical at the end of your career, but you took a physical beating during your career with all the hit by pitches too. How how did you manage to do that? And after a season ended, how much time did you actually need to truly heal up? <laughs> um, I, uh, how did I do that? I don't know how I did that. Uh, I know you guys, when, when I was playing, the reporters would always ask, like, what goes into, like, why why you? Like, why are you getting hit all that much? And um, I always put it down to where, you know, I've lefty, I face lefties majority. A lot of them like to pitch me inside. 
I would have a, you know, regular stance, but I kind of closed my stance when I did my stride. So that front foot would get close to the chalk. Um, and then I just, my whole life, I've always just frozen. I'm just wired that way to not move. Um, so yeah, I don't, that's, you combine those things. I think that's what happens. Um, and then, you know, what I'm most proud of, of the, I don't know how many it is. I think it's 80 something Ooh. hit by pitches in the big leagues. I never missed a game. I never went on the DL from getting hit, whatever. Um, I think it was just like a certain technique. Like I rolled with it and, you know, I was just, I don't know what it was. I was just probably just a lot of luck, but um, yeah, after the seasons, those bruises took a while, um, but no, it was great. You know, I had a, wasn't something I ever tried to do, but hey, I got on base. The guys behind me drove me in and uh, yeah, what is what it is. You were traded to the Rays from the Cubs. You were traded from the Rays to Cleveland your last season in Tampa Bay in 16. And that was the year you also got to appear in your only World Series. I'm sure it was bittersweet at the time, but what did that experience then that fall mean to you? And how much does it stick with you, uh, the, the moments that you had in that World Series against uh, the Cubs? I mean, as you can see, I, I still have the, the jersey right there. Like, and they just played – they replayed the game in the World Series on FS1 the other day, and, you know, it's still so hard watching that. You're, you're watching, and you're like, man, I, I just wish that somehow the it could have changed the outcome. Um, but, yeah, it's nuts because, I, I mean, I was drafted by the Cubs, and then obviously I got to play for Joe Madden and then get traded to the Indians, play the Cubs and Joe Madden in the World Series. So everything kind of came full circle. Um, and you know, I didn't get to experience too much playoffs uh, when I was in Tampa, I think a couple times, but, um, you know, memorable game 162. Um, obviously that stands out, but um, yeah, so I was thrown into that pennant race and yeah, it was crazy. Just packed crowds in Cleveland, great fans, um, just an amazing team. The guys that were on that team, everything clicked and That'll always be with me, man. That was just so much fun. So cool to be a part of. So you had that great playoff with the Indians, and certainly that's something that's going to stick with you. And now you're moving on to your next chapter, which is fully equipped athletes. So give us an idea as to how you came up with this idea and, and why you want to take this route with the next step in your in your life. Yeah, so the idea came – it was about probably four months ago, right when the COVID, COVID hit. One An ex-coach of mine uh, in Chicago actually uh, reached out and said, hey, you want to do a Zoom uh, with some baseball guys I work with? And I was like, heck yeah, I had never done a Zoom before. So I did it. And most of the talk was uh, around nutrition because obviously like that's something I love and always am passionate about. And it was like a 30, 45-minute Zoom, my first time ever doing it. And it was just awesome. Like I – got great questions from them. I had all my snacks here that I would recommend. And I always love talking about food. And then I was like, man, so not just food I'm passionate about. Like I always was more into like mindset, uh, meditation, breathing, um, lifestyle, functional sports specific training. Um, so I was like, I want to do something like that. Like there's all these tools I've always worked to master in my career. Like, why don't I put them all on a piece of paper and write an ebook first and then get that out. Let them, you know, people read that if they want. And then if they want to do sessions with me um, and then just work with athletes to, you know, help them master those 10 tools, um, whether it's mindset, 
um, nutrition, um, breathing techniques, daily routine, um, support system. There's 10 of them. And really, once they do that, I really feel strongly it'll help them excel both on and off the field. Um, and I, I just feel like there's so much focus on the physical side, uh, whether it is, you know, get as strong as possible and then create this new swing, great swing, which helps, of course. But if you don't pair that with a, with a strong and proper mindset and think correctly and live a healthy lifestyle and in great shape and breathe to slow down the games, things like that, then there, I just don't think there's any way you can reach your full potential. And that's the whole mission of it. So, um, yeah, that's where we're going with it. And I'm really excited uh, to get it off the ground here. So give us an idea. Who are you hoping to reach out to and work with through this fully equipped athlete program? Is it high school athletes going to college, college is going to pro, young pro athletes, combination? What's the focus going to be? Yeah, so it's really, I'm really saying all ages, all sports. Um, at the beginning, I was kind of thinking more baseball specific, but then I got thinking, I'm like, these tools, it's not like they're just geared towards baseball. If you think of like nutrition and, and mindset and all this stuff, like that's for any sport. So I was like, I want to open it up to all of them. And obviously when I was younger, I played all sports. Um, I was very close to playing football in college. Um, so I wanted it to gear towards all sports, but age wise, you know, I think a little leaguer could benefit if some of the, if I knew some of this stuff when I was a little leaguer, I think it would have helped tremendously. Um, then moving up the ranks, high school, college, minors, really anyone, um, anyone that I feel like that feels like they could benefit. That's who I really am hoping to work with. And you've created a website, right? Fully equipped Mm-hmm. And what's the response yep. been so far and, and through your social media and that sort of thing? Because obviously you're pretty well connected. Um, you've mm-hmm. been uh, involved in the, in sports for a long time. It's been great. Uh, it's only been a couple of days now, um, but the traffic to the website, the engagement, um, it, it's, it's cool to see. Uh, you know, this, this whole business thing is new to me. Like I got a business card in the mail yes, yesterday and I'm like, wow, it's official now. And, you know, kind of like I did with baseball, like I wanted to make the absolute most of my talent in baseball in that realm. Now I kind of, now I'm focused on like the business, like business and, you know, making a great company so I can reach as many athletes as possible. Uh, um, so website, the social media, learning all the t- tricks of the trade for all that stuff. Um, so it's been fun and a learning progress uh, process. Um, like the website took, I don't know, three or four months just to build like the back end stuff. Like a lot more goes into it than I would have thought. Um, but it's fun. I love learning that kind of stuff and uh, really excited for it. And, and I would assume from your standpoint, doing something like this makes a whole lot of sense because you can do it from home versus let's say if you decided to become a mental skills coach or something like that for baseball or football or whatever sport it is, you might have to travel again. This allows you the chance to be with your young family. Yeah, that's definitely a benefit. Um, in the future, I, I, I definitely can see this being a maybe like a uh, baseball or not baseball baseball facility, but like a sports performance center, fully equipped athlete, like down the road. Obviously, right now this is an at home thing. Um, whereas I I like to call it performance mentor, like be a mentor for these kids on the performance side, um, whether on or off the field. Um, so right now it's cool. I'll get to be at home and all that stuff. But down the road, 
I could see myself traveling. I could see myself setting up a physical location. Um, I really just, at the end of the day, it's down to, I want to help as many athletes as possible, reach their full potential. That's the mission. And if it means travel, if it means set up another spot, that's cool too. Well, we wish you the best of luck in the next phase. I wouldn't say in your retirement because you're not retired. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're in the next phase of your life and, and, the time you spend with your family. And we certainly appreciate all the time you spend in Tampa Bay and, and wish you and Lindsay and the kids a lot of health and success going forward. All right. Thanks, Neil. Really appreciate it, man. That is Brandon Geyer. And we certainly appreciate his time and that of our other guests on the podcast today, race hitting coach Chad Matola and outfield prospect Josh Lowe. Now we have upcoming alumni podcast Friday and then early next week with Edwin Jackson and B.J. Upton. You won't want to miss those. And then this weekend, Race Baseball will return on Sunday, July 26th. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen. Plus, every day we will have coverage of Race Camp, often multiple blog posts at raceradio.moblogs.com. If you have a topic you want us to focus on, whether it's the blog, the podcast, you always can tweet us at Neil Solons or at Raise Radio. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, please wear your mask, and we will talk with you soon.